Welcome everybody to back to episode 75 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. Great, great episode for you this week. Really looking forward to it. Uh, you'll find me being a little quiet this week. Um, our, that's because our guest is a great, great man and a great man to listen to and just let talk. Let him share his stories, let him share his advice, his wisdom, and just kind of sit back and take it in. Uh, we had fun with this one. Um, Ryan Walter, everybody. Ryan Walter is a great friend of the show. He is a tremendous, tremendous leader, tremendous person. Uh, he is the man to go to, and uh, he is a former uh, NHL player, uh, Stanley Cup champion. He uh, was dabbled in some acting uh, as the referee for the big game between the Soviets and the U.S. in the movie Miracle. If you are a hockey fan, you've seen that movie. Let's be honest, um, he is uh, tremendous to talk to. He gave us a little bit of background information on the movie Miracle, as well as obvious uh, some other stories and other um, advice and other sh leadership snippets. Um, as he shares, he's currently located in White Rock, British Columbia. Uh, he uh, can be found at ryanwalter.com, and he is hoping to have his new book, as he mentions, out in the fall. So look for that. Uh, Ryan Walter, uh, leadership guru, um, great friend of the show. He's been on before. We're happy to have him on again. He is truly wonderful. And I could repeat myself over and over about Ryan Walter um, and make this intro an hour long in and of itself. But he really, honestly, truly needs no introduction. Uh, so having said that, uh, no other headlines to give, no other information to share. This week, I feel it's important to just let the episode speak for itself and get right into our wonderful guest, Ryan Walter, great friend of the show. Find him on ryanwalter.com. Fill out the form if you want to work with him. And uh, he, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Ryan Walter, ryanwalter.com. Episode 75 of War in the Hockey Podcast. Uh, great friends with Breakaway Brewing and North Palm Media. You can find War in the Hockey Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, War in the Hockey Podcast, and at War in the Hockey Podcast, respectfully. Uh, respectively, excuse me. And uh, yeah, make sure you like and follow us there, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll touch on that again at the end as well. And yeah, enjoy episode 75 of War in the Hockey Podcast this week via Zoom with the great Ryan Walter. Sure. Yeah, take us into that. Uh, remind me to jump into that. Okay. And you know, I had one, um, I got a chance on uh, radio. It was the Canucks alumni show with Joey Kenworth. And, uh, and uh, they were reminding me that it was the, you know, anniversary. I don't know how this all happened of, of, uh, of me hitting a thousand games in the NHL or something like that. And I got a chance to thank uh, Dr. Polson and Dr. Smiley uh, out of Kamloops. Oh, who, who were the two guys that patched up, didn't patch up. I mean, literally um, operated on my decimated right knee at, when I was 16 years old. And, uh, and it was cool to thank them because 
you know, they pretty much told my mom and dad that, you know, it was 50, 50 that I would skate again. So very thankful. So that, that might be a fun story too. Yeah, you know, when you, yeah. when you think of the heart of the game and, yeah. and uh, the doctors behind the scenes. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, that type right in the wheelhouse for sure. That's great. Yeah, you were, you were in Kamloops for four years, eh? Yeah, like I, I played junior, I played uh, uh, up as a 16 year old in, in, uh, I played in Langley and then came up for the playoffs. And that's when I injured my knee. I hit the goalpost on a breakaway. And, uh, and then re- rehabilitated as a 17 year old, you know, had a, had a real good year as an 18 year old. And then the, my 19th year, 19 year old year, our team actually got sold to Seattle. And, and so I was drafted uh, out of Seattle. Um, we were called the breakers. Yes. Seattle breakers. Yep. But, uh, 77. Yep. 76, 77, 77, 78. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, Evan, if you want to hit the button, uh, let's, let's bring Wally in here and, uh, and let him roll. Yeah, and are you guys doing, um, Evan, are you doing just audio or, or video also? Uh, just audio right now. No, no video yet. So. Can you, uh, with your guys' permission, uh, can I take a bit of video? In case I I hit a story that works or something. So I don't know if you need to allow me to uh, co-host or can I just hit record? Can you make me a co-host, Evan? Let's let's see. If you you hover over my name. We're doing a lot of Zoom these days, and uh, boy, it's quite a tool. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I, the the uh, the video or the uh, background that you did there—that's just fantastic. Yeah, thank is you. that a giant green screen in your office, or where? What well, I'm getting a green screen, Brad, but this one is uh, Zoom does a pretty good job with with backgrounds. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It's like you make a host or allow record. Um, yeah, if you make me a host or a co-host, then I'll record on my side and then it won't take up your, uh, your bandwidth, Evan. Okay. Perfect. And, uh, I'm, I'm okay. So it says, ask the host to give you permission. James. Uh, let me just look here. There we go. Got it. So we're, we're, we're good to go. All right. Well, you, uh, are, are you guys recording yet? I am, yeah. Evan's got it. I've got, uh, I believe, let me just try one more time here. So I'm going to turn it off and then I'm going to turn it on. I believe we're good to go. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're thrilled and privileged today to have Ryan Walter with us on uh, War Room, the Hockey Podcast. Uh, Ryan's been on with us before, old family friend, uh, mentor, leadership, uh, leadership and team building guru, ryanwalter.com that we talk about a lot. And uh, Wally, welcome. Great to have hey. you back and thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, Evan. And thanks, Brad. And I think, uh, did, Evan, did he call me an old guy? <laughs> is, is, is that? Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's, he's my buddy. Guy. So well, you don't miss much with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't miss much. <laughs> 
Oh, and by the way, uh, you know, did I mention Stanley Cup winner and uh, over a thousand games in the show and many other uh, captain at every level? What a guy. So, but anyway, uh, but the old guy is what you caught. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us today. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to hear what's the latest with you. And uh, you've got a new book, I understand, and and, uh, some new programs on your, on your um, endeavor at RyanWalter.com. Yeah, thanks, Brad. We're, you know, we're very excited about our next book. So that'll be our sixth book. And uh, we're going to call it Breakout. And I just think that uh, it's perfectly positioned for just to help people. You know, at the end of the day, you write books to help, uh, you know, one other individual in the world. And uh, I think we're going to get a chance to help people with their mindsets. And especially during COVID, you know, during this, this very, I call it a hard game. Um, you know, the first thing that, that sort of hits home is, is uh, the deterioration of, of what we think and how we think. And so we're, we're going to look at uh, the six mindsets that help people stay resilient. Hmm. And that will, you know, sort of, we're going to see that play out in four different areas. Uh, so chapter, chapter one will be on awareness. You guys love that one. Yeah. If we're not, I, and I actually use, actually, that's a good one. I'll, I'll share that story later, but I use Wayne Gretzky as the example of chapter one and uh, just, you know, his, his ability to see the ice as his great gift. Chapter two is the six mindset model. Chapter three, we're going to see the six mindset model play out in what we call performance language. So you guys talk about that a lot, you know, around, you know, what does our language um, how does it affect, how does our outer language and our inner language affect the performance of players? Chapter four is on uh, team, team energy. So how, you know, when you think about uh, your mindset is impacting team energy, how does that play out? Chapter five will be on, we're calling it leadership focus. We believe that leaders see things differently. And then finally, uh, chapter six will be on game resilience. So we'll bring it all together. So uh, I'm, I'm banging away right now. I, I just can't <laughs> wait to get it done. Do you have a target in mind yet uh, when you're going to be ready to go or when you publish? Yeah, and I, I'm, I always get in trouble with my wife, Jen, because I, I always say, I'll have it done in two months. And she says, no, you won't. <laughs> um, but uh, I, think, I think our goal, like I'm, I'm finishing up, I just gave Jenny uh, the intro in chapter one to edit. Uh, I've pretty much finished chapter two. I, I have three, four, five, and six to write. So, I, Brad, I'd probably get, uh, you know, probably uh, timing-wise, I'm thinking the fall we, uh, we have a book. Nice. Well, a lot of that stuff comes, some, comes so naturally to you. Uh, it wouldn't be like anybody else trying to sit down and hammer something like that out because that stuff just sort of flows from you. It always has. You were a captain in junior. You were captain all the way through your career, right? I mean, at various levels, you were, you were the guy. You were the guy in the room. Well, and I think what happened to me, uh, guys, is, uh, you know, I, I was always sort of put, a C was put on my sweater. And I always wondered to myself, why are they doing that? You know, like, why did they keep putting a C on my sweater? And, and I think what I wanted, um, number one, I'm a curious guy. 
my number one um, value in life is curiosity and, and creativity. But number two is I always wanted a mentor. You know, and you, you think about the heart of hockey. I mean, um, you go through this life once and it's funny, you look back and you think, boy, I wish I could have had some help there or just a, a you know, a shoulder to lean on there or, you know, maybe a, a father figure there. Yeah. And I, what I wanted, I was a captain at 22 with the Capitals and I, I, I just wish that somebody would have come alongside me and said, listen, kid, I, you know, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm down the road a bit. And, uh, and I'll tell you some of the mistakes I made. And at least we could talk about it. And, you know, Evan and Brad, that's, that's uh, one area that, um, you know, I'm trying to work into uh, some of the stuff that I do. Um, I've been we're actually working a little bit with, with Rich Winter, the agent out of Edmonton. And, oh, yeah. and Rich has asked me to uh, spend some time with some of his players to help them, just to be that player that's a little bit down the road, you know, helping current players uh, navigate, you know, some of the, the, the hard stuff that, uh, that is happening around our game. Good for him. That's been, that's been needed for a long time. Some, some player representatives have been doing that for a while and some have, uh, some have kind of overlooked it. And it's, as you know, uh, it's very much needed. We talk about it a lot, the need for not just a leader, but a nucleus of leaders, an entire room full of leaders, and then people that leave that room and go out and become leaders wherever else they go. So good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. So the book's coming out in fall. Uh, you've been active, uh, probably doing a lot of virtual stuff during COVID, as everybody else has, correct? You know, thank you for that. Yes. So we, I, I counted it up the other day. We're, we're well over 60 training sessions over, over uh, Zoom. Whoa. And uh, that's sort of, I, I like Teams and I like other, you know, um, platforms, but I prefer Zoom right now. And, and really enjoy using it uh, and have been doing, have actually, uh, uh, even though those are the training sessions we've done, guys, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives and with managers. Uh, and that has been really fabulous over Zoom. So it's, you know, you can see body language, you, you know, you can, you can share uh, PowerPoints, like you can do training. So I've really enjoyed that process. And as you guys know, that's our whole business. So we yeah. went from having our, birth, our best uh, financial year ever in, uh, in, 19, in uh, 2020. It was, gonna end, it, it was just starting off to be <laughs> best ever. We, we went to losing 80% of our revenue in two weeks. Oh. Geez. Like, that's just crazy. And, and, and I'm, no complaints. I'm not blaming anybody because I know there's so many people out there that don't have a job right now. So, so I'm not complaining, but uh, we really had to pivot. And I see this as a great opportunity. I'll give you an example. We're actually, Jenny and I are, and Christy, our little company, we are actually um, building a, a portal right now. So we have ryanwalter.com. But we'll also build a portal that'll be, uh, we're going to call it ryanwaltercenter.com. So a little bit like center ice. And the idea of the center is it'll be the center for high performance. 
and wow. and, and we will we will have uh, courses there. We'll have courses on confidence. We'll have skill developments courses. We'll have a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff for corporate America there. And we just think that that's the way of the future right now. And we're, we're getting ready. And I say this carefully, and I hope it's not true, but we're going to try to get our little company ready for the next pandemic. Oh, wow. Well, I, I hope you're wrong as well, but I think it's probably a good move, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, wow. That's that's quite a pivot. If you're pivoting from from eighty percent of your uh, revenue model and and trying to uh, trying to take a next step in a new direction, and good on you for doing that. And that's probably goes back to uh, let's see, leadership, um, <laughs> the language of leadership, the language of uh, positivity, and the things that you talked about in the six chapters of your upcoming book, right? Yeah, you're, no, you're right, Brad. And and it, I think the I think the the word that I get excited about these days, just because everybody's so aware of it, is resilience. You know, and that that idea of the bounce back and and you know the the rebound. I mean, that's our word in hockey, right? I mean, you can you can look at it in in basketball too. But the idea of the rebound and uh, and I I love that. I, I love those stories. I love reading stories about people that have bounced back and that rebound and and we're just a small part of that. Um, you know, we're we're in White Rock, British Columbia. We're walking every day. We're having a blast. We're enjoying our, you know, two of our five kids and and we're sort of reinventing ourselves again. And uh I'm not saying that that's an easy thing. I think many people are doing it. Uh, but uh, but I am I am enjoying the challenge, and that it is. Uh, and and we've our whole family's experienced the same thing. Evan, uh, you know, Evan in his uh, career situation, and he's had to make a little bit of at least a temporary pivot uh, in his career, right? And um, so the the resilient ones do that, and the ones who lack that uh, that component probably fall victim to a lot of things that unfortunately we see going on out there that we'd, we'd all like to try to prevent and help with if we can. Yeah, it's so true. It is so true. And one of the things I'll give you guys <clears throat> that we've developed out of, uh, you know, writing the book, we, uh, we call it the three R's and this, this will be a good one for the heart of hockey. <clears throat> so pretty easy to remember the three R's. So the first R is when we get stuck in negativity or, you know, we hit a tough time. Uh, the first, the first thing you and I do, the first thing the three of us do in the game of hockey, is we recover the puck. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, like you know, you're in the neutral zone. <clears throat> you're you, you lose the puck. You're in the D zone. You lose the puck. Offensive zone. You lose the puck. The first thing we have to do is recover the puck. So what we want people to think about is to recover their thinking. And and the way to do that, <clears throat> excuse me. Is, is by having a trigger. So when I catch myself, when I'm aware of my negativity, my trigger right now is go to neutral. Oh. So when I go to neutral, uh, that puts me in a position where I'm not thinking about the future and I'm not thinking about the past. I'm in the moment. So I'm in the neutral zone. And then the second R, guys, so you, you, you trigger uh, what we would call awareness. The second R is you recover the puck. 
The second yeah. R you're going to love. It's called regrouping the puck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So you, you got the puck. You recovered it. Now, now you it's D to D. It's D up. You skate with the puck, right? <clears throat> and and this idea of recovering our thinking is so powerful. So you regroup. You, you I'm sorry. You recover your thinking. Now you regroup your thinking. And really what that is, that's your internal brainstorm. Those are the solutions, right? So, so do I have to stay negative? Can I think about a solution? You know, what's my next step? You know, are there going to be any issues? Uh, and and it's, it's just a, a microsecond. It's not a long conversation with yourself, but it's, it's a great conversation with yourself because you move out of negativity into neutral and you create a solution. The third art you you both will love, and that's just reattack. <laughs> right? At that's the end right. of the day, we've got to take action. Or or we're gonna we're just gonna be stuck. <clears throat> so you you recover the puck, you regroup the puck, and you reattack. In the world of thinking and resilience, you recover your thinking. So you've got a trigger to bring yourself out of negativity into neutral. You regroup your thinking. You think you 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 have your internal brainstorm. You come up with solutions, and then you you basically reattack. You take next action because action is what gets us out of our funk. Right? We got we need to take a next step. And you know what we're finding, guys? That is the core element of inner resilience. <laughs> I can only imagine, but that, yeah, when you put that all together that way, and Evan, Evan, you know this uh, as well as anybody, I think, uh, I think of people who are in combat, who are in, who are taking fire. Uh, I think about people that are in a, in an ER, uh, looking at, uh, you know, crash victims or something. And, it, and Evan is a, uh, Evan is a firefighter. And yes. he has to deal with these kind of things in his line of work. So if you get paralyzed by it, and you, then you're not resilient anymore. You're a victim of it. And, and going through these simple steps that you're talking about, very simple but very for, profound. Wouldn't you agree, Evan, in, in your line of work? Oh, yeah, 100%. Agreed. Yeah. You just see, and you can tell the difference when you're working alongside someone or when you're playing alongside someone. and and things get difficult. And, uh, and that resilience is, it, it doesn't take long for it to, to come to the forefront, right? Eh? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And you know, I'll bet, Evan, in, in the work that you do, I'll bet the, the two words that I've been sort of studying, I'll bet you guys talk about a lot. And that is the idea of, of a threat or a challenge, mm -hmm. right? And, and you know, I just, I just saw some great science, some neuroscience around this where, you know, when Apparently, when we get stressed or we have stressors in our life, um, we ask ourselves two questions. This is, this is fascinating to me. This is my curiosity. Uh, you know, just last year, I, I, and I, this is not to, not to uh, you know, I remain a humble guy. This is not to put me up, but I'm curious, so I read. And, you know, I finished about 40 books last year on, on the brain. And, and so apparently when when we get stressor in our stressors in our lives, apparently we ask ourselves two questions. I always love two. I'm an old hockey player. I can remember two, right? The, the first question is, 
Um, let me let me phrase this correctly. Uh, are we in a position? So so when the stressor hits, and 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 the question we ask ourselves is is are we in a position here now to to basically handle this stress? So we need to we need to have a feel an internal feel. And then the second question is around, it's, it's like that, but it's do we have the resources, the inner resources to actually, um, you know, make this happen, like, you know, be good during stress. Yeah. Apparently, if we say, no, we don't have the inner resources, then, then that's when we see things as a, as a threat. But if internally we say, yeah, I got the inner resources to, to battle this, then we see this as a challenge. challenge. Isn't that good? Yeah. And I think that helps young hockey players at every level understand. I'll give you a good example of from hockey. In junior hockey, I don't know why I did this, but some big guy would come up to me and in the stupid – years of the 70s he'd say you want to go and that that was not a good word those weren't good words you guys <laughs> and you know what's interesting is at the time I must have been just a stupid young guy because at the time I didn't see that as a threat I didn't back away from that I saw that for whatever reason as a challenge one of the things that I think there, there was a reason that I saw it as a challenge is I had put a lot of time into the gym and, and I could bench, you know, two, 300 pounds. And, and you want to come after me? Okay. I'm good. Yeah. And so I think one of the great things that we can do to help confidence and this idea of seeing things as a challenge instead of a threat is to increase our preparation, right? right? Be more prepared. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. And you 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 do if you're prepared, then it gives you a lot more. What did you call it a few minutes ago? Do I have the resources to fight? Yes. Do I have the resources to take on this challenge, uh, or do I? I mean, it's, it it becomes almost a fight or flight decision, right? Do yes. I run from it or do I take it on? And the better prepared you are, the more tools you have at your disposal to take on the, the threat and make it into a challenge, right? A hundred percent. And then once you have that experience, so there's the next level, right? That, that all of life is about experience because our, our brain, uh, you know, it, we're on automatic 95% of the time. So the experiences that we have inform our brain of what we did and then it, it, you know, we go on to automatic and our brain says, well, you did that in the past. So, so you ran away in the past, so you're going to run away in the future. Or you didn't run away in the past, so you're not going to run away in the future. And that's why the experiences are so powerful. It's like this big, you know, chicken or egg, but it's like a big loop and it keeps looping. And, and so, you know, the preparation in the beginning at, at the young age of hockey, and I'm, I want to make clear on this broadcast i'm not talking about fighting i uh, in the 70s we were talking about fighting and now it's not about fighting it's it's about being prepared to play hard right right 
and and uh, actually, I'll fire another one at you guys. So, you guys got me at a wrong time because I'm writing this book and I've got way too many ideas now. <laughs> uh, way too many ideas. So, oh, that's perfect. so this one we called a performance resilience model, and you're gonna you're gonna like this. It's so simple. But you know, I've been thinking like skill is the thing that uh, talent that um, at, that uh, scouts always look at, skill or talent or you know how you play the game, and I love that, and I don't downplay that. But I know there's more than just skill and talent, right? Because a lot of skilled players never played at the highest level. Yeah, that's right. And so here's our little performance resilience piece. And I'll just lay it out for you guys. I'll give you a, a, a non-visual visual. So if you looked from north to south on a continuum, and this, this little model will be in our book, if you put fan at the bottom and player at the top, that's a meaningful piece for all of us. And you put one to 10 along that northern sort of, you know, continuum. So, so obviously a fan in, in the terms of corporate comes to work, but a player, you know, all the way up here a little farther comes to win. And the difference between working and winning is two things. And it's true in hockey and it's true in firefighting and it's true in life. The difference is, is the way we prepare and the way we prepare is contingent on our belief system and our mindset. So preparation is we come in the door as a fan. So in other words, picture this, you come in the, the turnstile as a fan, you go get your hot dog, your popcorn, your pop, you sit down and you hope for an outcome. Or you come in in the bottom door, the player's entrance, and you're ready to compete. And you're not hoping to win. You're making the win happen. Yeah. So the difference between a fan and a player is powerful, right? And, and I see a lot of people in corporate America that come in the door as a fan and then grow because they have mentors and they get to a place where they grow into a player. And I always love that piece. The second piece, so east to west. So north to south, fan player, okay. east to west, Play soft, playing soft, and playing hard. <laughs> oh. oh, hey guys. Jeez. Like this one for me is so big. And so the continuum there is, <laughs> is not, pre not preparation. The continuum there is competition. So do okay. we compete? So there's two questions we have to ask ourselves if we're sort of in any part of the world. Number one, uh, do we show up prepared? And number two, uh, soft or hard, do we compete? And, you know, you guys know this. If, if you would have said to me, you know, Wally, you know, you, you played soft tonight. I'm coming after you, right? Ouch, yeah. That's the hardest thing a player can be told in the world of hockey, probably the world of sport. Yep. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I asked a scout once. Uh, you know, an NHL scout, I was sitting with him at practice uh, watching a midget team. And I said, well, you know, what do you look for? And he looked at me and he had a big smile on his face. He said, well, I could tell you a lot of things, but here's, here's my number one. 
He said, I'm one of the few scouts that stays to the end of the practice. He said, because all the players are fresh at the beginning and I watch who finishes hard. Ah. So that idea of playing hard is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Right? Playing soft and playing hard. And you know what? I, I'm, I'll end with this, guys. I'm telling you, I, I do this through corporate America. And I'm people that aren't even hockey fans that have no idea or, and don't even like sports, they really understand what playing soft is in business <laughs> and what playing hard is in business. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That is, you know, that is really, uh, I, I never thought about it on the two axis scale before on that kind of a graph. But I suppose if you get somebody who is ultra prepared and he's at the 10 on that fan player axis and he's at the 10 on the soft hard axis. So that puts him way up in the northeast corner of the graph. Now, now you've really got something. So, so Brad, you've nailed it. And that's exactly what we do. One to 10, one to 10. And so I'll give you, <clears throat> let me give you an example of what you just said in the world of business. I, I was, I'm coaching a, a, a president of a, um, a company here in, in, down in Vancouver and they're in the tourism industry. Well, as you guys know, throughout COVID tourism has just been decimated. Sure. <clears throat> so, um, in, in week two of COVID, they furloughed and then fired, let go, 900 employees. Can you imagine? Wow. And, and so this uh, president uh, uh, ended up uh, keeping a skeleton crew and his direct reports. And they're, they're resurrecting the business in the summer, which is just amazing. Here's my point. Uh, I, I asked him, I, I shared this concept with him, you know, one to 10 fan player, one to 10 playing soft, playing hard. And uh, I said, listen, you know, give me an example of somebody, uh, you know, that maybe is struggling a little bit. Don't give me their name, but just tell me their scenario. And you know what he said? This, this really surprised me. He said, Ryan, I won't give you his name, but that's my CEO. He said, that's my boss. Oh. He said he's, he's on the edge of depression. He's taken everything personally. He won't make a decision. Uh, and he hasn't talked to me in three months. And, and so here, here's, what, here's what I want people to know. And this is really important for me, guys. This fan player uh, soft hard piece is not a person. It's a point in time. Because there's times in my life where I've, 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 I showed up as a fan and, and, I, and I played soft, right? I hope, I hope they weren't very many, <clears throat> but it's a point in time because I think what sometimes people do is they personalize, you know, um, uh, language and they say, you know, I'm soft. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's not true. It's a point in time and we can all grow and get better. So how does, um, I know you wanted to, I know you wanted to wrap up here, but just one more question for you, because I could go on and on with this and I can't wait for the book to come out. Uh, how do you, how do you help that CEO go from retreating, go from threat to challenge? How do you help him to prevent him or anybody else from letting that become their identity? How do you, how do you avoid that? Or how do you correct it in midstream? 
Yeah, that's very good. Uh, great question. And uh, you guys have great questions here. <clears throat> Excuse me. W one of the things that we've learned is, is, uh, is that language is so important. And so one of the things that we feel really helps to uh, aid or remedy this type of situation is to just be very careful about the language that people are using and to adopt new language. So, you know, I'm not soft and, and they're not soft. And, you know, I'm, I love this place. I can't wait to get to work. Like it, it, it language really helps to um, <clears throat> remedy and aid a situation. So, so we would go from using blaming language, right? Like I, I can't believe COVID did this to me. I can't believe my boss let me go, whatever it is, you know, to much more healing language. And, and one, of the, one of the areas that we're doing work in uh, from a research point of view, and you guys might love this one to pass on to some of your, your, your people throughout hockey, is, is our, inner, our inner game, so our inner conversation that we have with ourselves, is if we can distance ourselves in our inner language, we have a much better chance of, of healing the situation and moving away from negativity. Let me give you an example. Instead of saying, I'm no good, and that, you know, that inner voice often says, I'm an idiot, right? Or, or, or how, about, how about this one? You know, I'm a coward, right? Like, you know, the game, the game puts a lot of pressure on people. Yeah. And so that the voice a, from your dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that voice, when it's in the first person, uh, is, is, attracts negativity. Isn't that interesting? They've done some work on this. Where if we can move to the second person, and this is a little weird, but instead of saying, I am, you say, you are. You know, uh, you, yeah. hey, hey, you messed up again. Well, yeah. I'm still talking to myself. <laughs> but here's the cool thing, guys. If we can move to the third person and actually use our name, this is crazy. The internal voice distance distances itself when when i go okay ryan you know you messed up again and if we can create that distance we can have a, a better sort of view of of what's happened and who we are and the distance allows us to move away from negativity it it, it has a better purview of the situation that we're maybe upset at or, or negative towards. So that would be another way, Brad, that, that we would work with clients to say, okay, well, let's look at that situation. I don't want to replay the situation. That's not what I do. I'm not Freud. Right. I'm not saying, you know, uh, okay, tell me everything that happened bad about your life. <laughs> That's not me. But if we can actually, you know, look at the situation through a, a third person sort of set of eyes, apparently we can move from a lot of, a lot of critical negativity into a much better place. Makes sense. It makes sense. It, it's almost as if, if you, if you hit a bad shot or you miss a three foot putt or you miss your assignment in, in, in the defensive zone or something and you say, 
I'm so I'm such a stooge. I'm such an idiot. Or yep. you are you're so stupid or so, or something like that. But then yep. if you hear yourself say the say your name, like you almost think to yourself, don't talk to me like that. I'll show you. <laughs> Right, yeah. because now it's now it's personalized, like you said. That's that's really interesting. I never thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, say, Dad, so you, they're, they're you breathe it. negativity. Sorry, sorry, Evan, I missed that. You, you, Dad, breed negativity. Then calling Owen and I idiots all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> so we'll breed negativity. We got to find so, better language you, for you to communicate with us as so that. There's some positivity and, and some motivation moving forward. Well, maybe I just need to work on my sense of humor a little bit. <laughs> the, yeah, and, and you know, I'd, I'd finish that thought that, that uh, we're talking about, guys, by, by just saying that if you want to study this area, maybe some of your, your, you know, your uh, listeners out there are interested in, it's apparently called uh, uh, psychological distancing. Hmm. Okay. So psychological distancing, and it's a powerful um, sort of new technique that people are utilizing, uh, and I think it's a it's a it's a it's a great one in the toolkit of maybe you know a young coach or a, or a young player as they're thinking about hitting some stressful times. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Are you, are you sure you can't get that book done in two months? <laughs> take it to the fall. Yeah, I'm, 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 I need to really get this book done. I, you know, you guys know this. You've asked me the question before. I, I write books for one person, right? For one person. Like, I used to think this book was for a CEO or, you know, it's for the high performers. It's for the NHL players. And it is. But you know who I think it is for now? It, it's for the single moms that are trying to put their kids through minor hockey. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's to help people uh, have awareness of their thinking so that they can increase hope in their life. And I know that we share, you know, a, a common faith. And I just think that at this point in our lives, you know, when you think of the, uh, the, the devastation of COVID and other things that have happened, um, you know, faith is, is the opportunity to uh, at least erase some of the fear that is rampant throughout the lives of people today. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm glad you tied that in because as we all know, the things that you're talking about with, with resiliency and, and the difference between, between challenge and threat and things like that, those are, those are throughout the history of the Bible and of our faith. Yes. And it's, those are very, very, these are all very biblically grounded principles that you're talking about here. And I, I, you know, nobody should be surprised at that. Who knows who you are? But uh, that's it's. It also lends, you know, just a hundred percent credibility to what you're saying because it's not only what somebody says who has a degree in psychology or something, but it comes from it comes from the Word of God itself. Yeah, one hundred percent. I Good agree. On that. Good on you for that. Well, we've taken a lot of your time. I'd love to hear a couple of stories, though, before you uh, before you cut out, Wally. Sure. We we were talking the other day about uh, you. You mentioned Miracle Evan, and how how many times we've all seen that. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I watched it again the other day. So it had to be uh, it had to be some great great episodes came out of that uh, that experience. Hey, yeah. So so Evan, 
Um, you, you watch the the best refereed game ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watch. Unfortunately, I watch it through the lens of today's game. <laughs> And how it, yeah, you know, and how it, the know, slightest uh, the slightest touch gets called, and then so I see true. a big hack from the from the Soviet oh, yeah. player in in the one game, and nothing, and I'm like <laughs> myself yeah. jumping up, like what's going on? That's 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 how. I, and for your for your listeners, you know, I was uh, fortunate to be the referee in in the in the the uh, the big game in Miracle and. Here's a little backstory. Uh, I had never refereed a game in my life. I, I'm not a referee. I'm a player. <clears throat> so, you know, what's funny is they had to hire a young actual referee to be the linesman, one of the linesmen, and he would show me where to stand. <laughs> like, you know, when you're a player, you don't pay attention to referees, right? Other than maybe getting after them. Uh, <laughs> So, so, you know, there was, there was some great uh, moments there where I messed up, but it, the, the movie miracle was a lot of fun. I Disney called and I actually spent uh, about three and a half months on the behind the scenes in, in miracle. And, and my first job was to take uh, all of the hockey, uh, all of the, the hockey scenes and work with the director to make sure that they were legit and that they worked and that they were real. And, and I am so proud of Gavin O'Connor, the young director, and then our whole staff, you know, all our players and, and, uh, and trainers and everybody, because we, you know, you guys love that movie. We love the movie. I think one of the reasons we love it is that they actually, it was real hockey. Here's what Gavin O'Connor said, guys. He said, I'm not going to make another Mighty Ducks. Now, I love The Mighty Ducks. It's a great movie. But uh, the difference was they took actors and they tried to teach them how to skate. Right. And you can tell because their, their shoulders are moving, and right? <clears throat> and in Miracle, here's what Gavin O'Connor said. He said, I'm going to take skaters, I'm going to take hockey players, and I'm going to teach them how to act. Isn't that good? Yeah. And that really defines the difference in Miracle. And and I was very proud of Gavin. Now, if you let me give you a little insight into Miracle. If you were to ask Gavin O'Connor, the director, you know, what is Miracle? Like he, the first thing out of his mouth is it's not a hockey movie. The first thing out of his mouth is it's a period piece. In other yeah. words, the theme is the USSR against the USA. Yeah. Right? Oh, it, okay. There was a there was a lot of tension in those days. That's right. All yeah. you have to do is watch the opening montage and the opening credits to kind of get a glimpse as to what was going on in the world at that time. So yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I didn't I didn't realize that he he did it that way, but that's that's very well put. And this is the 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 way the hockey scenes came off is the reason that genuine hockey people really enjoyed this movie. In addition to the story of Herbie and, and the, the team that he put together and the David versus Goliath and all that. But it was, it was so much easier to watch being, uh, you know, for hockey people to watch this movie because it was, it looked like it was actually game footage clipped, you know, from the video room. Yeah, very true. And, and you know, one thing I think we've talked about in the past, Brad, is 
Um, <clears throat> we had no, a whole bunch of the footage is, is, you know, drop a puck and, and let the guys go, let them play the game and then take the best clips. Right. But a big chunk of the footage was also choreographed. Oh. And so we actually, I had about a hundred and well, it was well over a hundred uh, plays animated on my computer, on my portable computer. And I would, I would take my computer out to center ice and I'd say, okay, boys, we need to do play 34 again. And of course, nobody's going to remember play 34. So I'd hit the button and, you know, and the little animations would go and the guys would go, okay, got it. And, and, you know, we'd dump the puck in the corner. We'd have our breakout. <clears throat> we'd go down and we'd nail it. And, and so it was a really cool way to do, um, you know, to shoot a hockey movie uh, that, that had like, for example, Mark Johnson's goal at the end of the first period is got to look like Mark Johnson's goal, right? Right. Because we're replicating history. Yeah. And so there were key pieces where we had to make sure that it was legit. And, and that's the part I, I really love about Miracle. Oh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, I noticed, and I never, I, I've never studied the games that much, that closely, but I remember watching the movie and say, he, he just, he did, he just jumped over the boards. Johnson just jumped on with 11 seconds left or something and took that, took that clearing pass off the end boards and scored with it. Yep. And then the same way when Aruzioni scored his big goal, it was from the exact same spot. It was shot the exact same way. I yep. mean, everything about it was, everything was bang on. I mean, you guys really, uh, you guys really paid attention to the detail. Well, and, and the good news there, guys, is the beauty is all we had to do was become coaches, right? We had to look, we looked at video over and over and over and over, every, every angle, every shot. And, and that was our job. I mean, that's, you know, the month before, you know, we shot any video, any actual film, we, we had, you know, sort of had a training camp. The other funny story about Miracle, I don't know if I ever told you, is, is we had about, well, we had hundreds and hundreds of, you know, as you can imagine, players try out, you know, to be in the movie. Oh, wow. I didn't know <laughs> and we were, we were down at, at the, you know, downtown Vancouver at the old building there. And we had an old, you know, the old sheet of ice and, and, uh, and we had old timers, like we had guys that were in playing old timer hockey <clears throat> and they would, they, they thought they could be in the movie. Right. And, and I laughed and laughed because, you know, at the end of the day, I was supposed to help the director and other people pick the team. <clears throat> that was one of my jobs. And we had a couple, we had actually quite a few of the old timers and they would skate around the arena once. Like we were going to give them a scrimmage and everything, right? <clears throat> They'd skate around the arena once and I'd go down to the gate and I'd say, hey, hey, number 73. Yeah, pop over here. Uh, number 42. Yeah, 51, 51, come on in. And I'd, and I'd say, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and I fired about 700 guys in a day, <laughs> right? And, and the reason was, you know, right away. Yeah. Now we got down to 70 players and then it gets, it gets more difficult, right? You know, what's this, what, you know, a forward versus a D, you know, let me see a skate backwards. 
But at the end of the day, once around the arena, and you know if they're a player or not. <laughs> and for those of us who have been cut from teams before, that is really, really disturbing to know. That maybe that decision was made 40 seconds in. Yeah, so, sorry about that, Brad. <laughs> Here I thought I had a chance right to the last day. I thought you were going to show up at Miracle. You should have been there, buddy. <laughs> the, the part of the old guys was already taken. <laughs> well, hey, um, listen, we want, to, we want to follow up with you again. Yeah. Uh, we would love to, uh, we'd love to catch up with you when your time permits. I know that between your, your Zoom meetings and all the things that you're doing and You've got a you've got an editor waiting on chapter after chapter to be done. Yes, and we don't want to get in the way of that. But let's do uh, let's do follow up again soon. Okay, we would love, love to. We always always welcome to have you on, and we'll reach out to Ben. Maybe he can uh, maybe he can join us someday and and talk minor hockey with us. Yeah, I'd love to do that, and I'll reach out to Ben on your behalf. Also, love to have him on your show. Ben, uh, as you guys know, Ben has amazing stories. Oh. You know, he, he, he ended his, he, he won a couple of championships in Europe <clears throat> late in his career, you know, spent time in Japan and, and Zurich and, and, uh, you know, Finland, Sweden, all over, all over the U S and the American hockey league. So, um, yeah. And, and actually very proud of Ben, you know, he, he, uh, he did what a lot of players do in, in, uh, college hockey. Uh, he was drafted by the Boston Bruins in his third year uh, of college. And so they, you know, it's about the only leverage you have is no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come, you know, I'm not going to come into your organization. I'm going to stay and play uh, college. And so Ben went and played for uh, Providence in those days. And, uh, and so never finished his college. And, you know, the guy has worked his tail off. He's done a, uh, you know, a distance program of his last year of university and has, and has finished his degree. Wow. So he just did that over the last two years while he was, you know, working and training hockey players. So yeah, he, he would be a, a real value for your listeners because Ben brings a, you know, played 20 games in the NHL, but brings a very different slant to, oh. uh, to the game. Absolutely. Some of the most fascinating people that we've talked with, eh, Evan, uh, have not, you know, they, they didn't have the easiest path. And for the guys who can make, uh, guys who can figure out how to make a paycheck uh, when they don't have the road paved as well, like that, that's, those are the stories that we love. And that goes back to the heart of the game, the heart of, the, the heart of hockey that we love so much and, and that we salute. I mean, we stand up and salute those guys um, it's, you know, and we talk about this, like uh, whenever I've been out, out on the running path or, or whatever I, I'm doing and uh, trying to work out or something, the, the guy who is, the guy who goes flying by me and he weighs 138 pounds soaking wet and he's got 2% body fat, <laughs> that guy doesn't have my utmost respect. Like I, I get it, but the guy who is just leaving big ruts in the trail because he's uh, just getting started, right? Just trying to lose that extra 70 or 80 pounds that he doesn't need. That's the guy that I, and in the same way uh, on the ice, the, the yeah. guy with, that doesn't have the easiest way to, to make it to the end. Uh, that's, those are the stories that we love. 
And I want to tell you one more story, guys, uh, to end our time together. And just to honor uh, my, my good friend, Guy Lafleur. And uh, Guy's struggling these days, uh, yeah. you know, with, uh, I think he's had a, a bit of a bout of cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, when I got to Montreal, um, Guy sort of took me under his wing. And he, and I was his, you know, he was my roommate when I first got there. And, and a wonderful, wonderful guy. <clears throat> you know, what's interesting about our game, if, if we remain humble and if we, we keep our eyes open, we can learn an awful lot from the people, the players around us. And, uh, you know, Guy, I learned some things from Guy that, you know, he didn't tell me, he just showed me. And he didn't even mean to show me, he just did it. Really? And here's what I learned from Guy. <clears throat> the foundational piece that, that, you know, if you want to be the best of the best, if you want to play at the highest level, the ground floor is you must turn your have-tos into want-tos. And that's it. Wow. The, the foundational piece is if, if you have to go to practice, it's never going to work out for you. <laughs> but if you can't wait to get to practice, you got a chance. And, and here's where I learned that from Guy. I watched him. And, you know, Guy Lafleur was on the ice 40 minutes before any other player working on a slap shot, working on his wrist shot, flying down the wing, putting it, you know, near side top corner. And, and here's what I loved about that, con that, that idea. Guy didn't have to be there. No. Right. He, he was a top 10 player in the NHL when, when I was his roommate, he was flying. He was a, a veteran player that was already a hall of fame superstar and he couldn't wait to get on the ice. You know, the other story that I don't think people know about Flower <clears throat> is he was amazing. He would be at the arena at about 2 to 2.30 in the afternoon uh, for every single game. Wow. For a 7 or a 7.30 or an 8 o'clock game. <laughs> and he would, have, he would be completely dressed by 3 o'clock, except his, 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 his skates wouldn't be tied up. And he would sit there and he was in his element. And I'm so proud of Guy. Like he, you know, people say, and I get such a kick out of people that have never played the game and they go, yeah, well, that Gretzky, he's just a, he's natural talent. Oh, that Guy Lafleur, he's just natural talent. Well, come and watch the natural talent put in the hours and the hours and the hours, right? And, and then tell me that he's natural. Yeah. The final story, and this is where I want to honor Guy, is uh, Guy taught me how to be a pro. You know, Guy Lafleur, can you imagine the hockey cards that were sent to him by young players, by collectors, by yeah. people all over Quebec, all over Canada, all over North America, all over the world? you know, hundreds and thousands of cards, you know, he would have this huge uh, <clears throat> bag of mail, right, that would sit down in the Montreal Forum. And you know what I remember, Guy? And this is what I remember. I don't remember him hiring anybody, a secretary, anybody to do his mail. Here's what I remember. Hours after we had gone from practice, Flower was sitting there 
in his stall signing every card. Wow. And, and he taught me how to be a pro, right? Like you honor fans. Yeah. They're your business and they're important. And they might criticize, but you know, some nights they should criticize. Some nights I'm not very good, right? And, and I think that, you know, I really want to honor Flower. Uh, he's an amazing man and, uh, and I'm praying for him. And, and I, just, I just really want to, uh, you know, get a chance to tell those stories so that, you know, his legacy uh, continues in maybe some young kid that's heard the story and decides, you know, that he's going to turn his have-tos into want-tos. And he's going he's gonna to want to go to practice and not have to go to practice because his dad said he did. You know, it sounds like he was, he was a fan player 10 and a soft hard 10. He was mm-hmm. one of those guys. Eh? And, that, and that, that soft to hard 10, that's not always on the ice. That a lot of times that could be in the off season. It could be in the gym. It could be rehabbing an injury, rehabbing a knee injury like you had in Kamloops. It could yeah. be getting stronger so that when that guy wants to see how tough you are, you're willing to you're willing to take that challenge. That that soft to hard player happens all that happens around the clock, not just not just in the corner or one at a time. That's a great. Great point, Brad. I love that. And uh, next time we're together, and, and that'll be soon. Let's get on a, another call soon. Yeah, let's do. Uh, I'll, let's do a little foreshadowing. I'm going to tell you a story about when I decimated my right knee at 16 years old, and I'm going to. I want to tell you the story of uh, Doctor Smiley and Doctor Polson in oh. Kamloops, who uh, who put my knee back together and allowed me to play another uh, three, uh, 1,003 NHL games. So Perfect. I'll tell yeah, you that, that story next time we're together. That story of, uh, of your rehab and then the career afterward, along with the doctors who made that possible for you, that's, uh, that's right in the wheelhouse of uh, what our war room, you know, kind of heart of the game, what, what, what that means. So that's perfect. Hey, I got one question for you. I just happened to think of this, by the way, as we were getting ready to say uh, say farewell for now. We have a good friend here in Summerland who had uh, who was drafted, I believe, by the Washington Capitals. At least he was at Capitals camp at the same time, I believe, that you would have been there sometime in the late – it would have been late 70s. Wow. Uh, named Greg Wilson. Greg Wilson. Greg Wilson. He played. He played in the WHL, um, yep. and he he didn't stick. He was a little guy, but he um, he said he. We were having a coffee here a few months ago, and he said, "Yeah, I, uh, first first time I went to Capitals camp, he said I uh, put a little shake and bake on this big defenseman and went around him and and got a shot on goal and." And the next drill, same thing happened. And I put a little move on this guy and I went around him. And the next thing I know, I'm wallpapered against the backboards <laughs> behind him. He, he said he, he kind of shook the cobwebs off and looked up and, he, and Rod Langway says, kid, don't do that to me again. <laughs> we don't do that here. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, you know what's interesting? That tells me the story, uh, Brad, because uh, Langway and I were traded for each other. Yes. So, 
So he would have he, he would have come just after me. Okay. So that would have that would have I was traded in nineteen eighty two. So he would have been at that camp. Okay. Then that was uh, Brian Engblom was in that trade as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Engblom, Jarvis, Lachlan, and and Big Rod Langway. Wow. Doesn't seem like that long ago, does it? It's about a hundred years ago, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, Evan, uh, anything else you want to talk to Mr. Walter about here before we say, uh, say farewell for the time being? I think that covers it. I think it's beautiful. It covers it for at least this time around. So Exactly. We're back soon, Evan. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again soon. Thank you so much, our, our good friend, Ryan Walter. Uh, privileged to have you join us today. And, and thanks for everything you do for the, for the hockey community that we love so much and uh, for, the, for the world of... Um, Spiritual leaders, business leaders, hockey leaders, uh, community leaders. Thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks, guys, and, and anybody that wants to connect. Just uh, I know you're going to say this later, but just RyanWalter.com. It's a very simple, you know, contact form, and uh, love to chat out with your, you know, the the people that are your listeners, and uh, look forward to our next time together, guys. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Best to your family. See you soon. You bet. Awesome, awesome conversation. Thank you, Ryan Walter, for joining us again this week, episode 75 of War on the Hockey Podcast. We uh, greatly appreciate it, and we look forward to having you on as many times as you would like. That's really where we're at right now, because you are a great, great guest for us, and we greatly appreciate it. Episode 75 of War on the Hockey Podcast, that is it for us this week. Uh, make sure you head to Instagram and Facebook, at War on the Hockey Podcast, War on the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, subscribe, rate and review. Ratings and reviews are the big ones to help continue to help us grow. Um, and make sure you like and you follow us. Make sure um, you share with your friends. Uh, our li listeners are driving force behind what we do, and we can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in and your continued pa patience and support through it all. Um, we are obviously, as we've mentioned, we are in the works for a new studio and getting behind the camera or actually, should I say, in front of the camera as we record ourselves for YouTube here in the future. So uh, look for that. I know there's a lot of excitement there. Look for our uh, my other podcasts um, and information like The Blessings of Life and Dad Motive. And uh, make sure you continue to follow and support. We greatly appreciate it. Engage with us. Uh, questions, comments, stories. Uh, we can't wait to hear them. Please, please engage with us. We, we look forward to it. Evan Rauer here with Warren the Hockey Podcast. Thank you to Dad, my dad, for joining via Zoom as well, seeing as we are not in the same city currently. Again, a big, big thank you to Ryan Walter. Greatly, greatly appreciated. We cannot wait to talk with you again. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Enjoy hockey. Enjoy the NHL. Enjoy uh, the push for the playoffs in this 56-game season. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. And we will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers.